when you leave your safe suburban house in the middle of a pandemic, you're taking your life in your hands. But you don't expect to be suddenly on the run from a murderer. The body in the dumpster. The north wind doth blow, and we shall have snow. And what will poor Robin do then, poor thing? He'll sit in a barn and keep himself warm and hide his head under his wing, poor thing. Patrick of Patrick and Maurice's Your Independent Grocer in Orleans found a body in the dumpster behind the store and the whole neighborhood was agog. What's going on back there? I asked Clementina, the clerk at the grocery store. I was picking up my online order. The Orleans Garden Strip Mall is a five-minute walk from my house, but in the present circumstances, it seems safer to drive. Usually, I stay in the front seat and wave my thanks to the young clerk loading my bags in the back to maintain social distance. But when I saw police cars emerging from behind the building, my curiosity was piqued. I rolled down my window. What's going on back there? A murder investigation, she said, standing a good meter away from me and stamping her feet to keep warm. She wore a blue COVID mask and a pink down ski jacket with a fur-lined hood above skinny jeans. I could see bright green eyes under the manicured eyebrows, but not much more of her face. But I could tell that she was excited. Turns out we can read facial expressions, despite masks. Well, if that's all, I'm going back in, she said. It was 15 below, a frosty February morning with a wind chill factor of minus 21. So I didn't try to keep her any longer. I went home, put away my groceries, hugged my dog, and looked out the window at the deserted street. Eleven months after the first lockdown in March of 2020, I was still isolating. The powers that be had lifted the stay-at-home order, sent kids back to school, and reopened stores and restaurants. But the constant drone of alarming news, especially for older adults, kept most of us inside and alone. As one 98-year-old woman who lived through a lot said, in a war, you know who the enemy is. These days, it could be anybody. But this unexpected death in my neighborhood, unrelated to the pandemic, seemed to galvanize me. I don't have any close family, but if I did and someone died, I'd want to go home. I'd need to be with my people. I needed that now, COVID or no COVID. I threw caution to the wind and, mask in hand, made an appointment with my hairdresser. A cut above is a tiny salon in the plaza, with four chairs set before wall-to-ceiling mirrors, two sinks at the back, and a reception desk near the door. In the before times, every chair would be busy with customers telling their stories, stylists nodding sagely and offering advice as they snipped, and apprentices sweeping the floor. This morning, Jasmine was able to take me right away. I was the only customer. She and her stunning daughter, Nalini, were the only staff. Nalini met me at the door with a spray bottle of hand sanitizer, a thermometer, and a list of questions. 
any symptoms, recent contact with symptomatic people, trips abroad. She looked like a movie star, with the elegant black fabric mask highlighting her gorgeous, coal-rimmed eyes. Wow, I said as she sprayed my hands. You folks have these protocols all figured out. Have you had any pushback from customers? She glanced at her mother, who squirted cleaner and wiped down the first chair. Jasmine laughed. One lady refused to let us take her temperature. She said that's how the government gets your data. Nalini rolled her exquisite young eyes. Sure, that's how that works. Jasmine ushered me into the pristine seat, flicked an elegant black and gold apron over me, and tied it behind my neck. What are we doing today? We are talking about the body in the dumpster, I said, as she ran her fingers through my long hair and misted it with water. It was my first visit since lockdown, and I barely recognized myself. It was the KGB, she said. Or FSB, they call it now. She raised one perfect eyebrow and nodded at her own reflection in the mirror. Delicate features, light brown skin, and straight brown hair. Jasmine is a single mother, originally from North Africa. Beautiful, polite, and smart Nalini helps her in the salon while paying her own way through MBA school with a part-time modeling career, both of which she's kept up with through the pandemic. When Jasmine talks, I listen. He was a double agent, she added. They sent him here to spy on us, but then he started selling Russian secrets to the House of Commons. Hmm, I thought. If I'd ever had kids, I'd have wanted Jasmine's advice. Some other topics might merit a second opinion. I glanced away from my reflection. A white, wet, wrinkly, and washed-out rat. How did that happen? Jasmine's magic would fix some of it. You're always at your worst before the blow dry. And, as I reminded myself firmly, getting older beats the alternative. How did he die? Strangled. Patrick saw thumb and finger bruises on the neck. Of course, no one's allowed back there now, and they're going to hush it up. I shivered a bit and shivered again when I stepped out of her warm haven of herb-scented hair products into the bright February morning. But I didn't go home. I was determined to take the bull by the horns and do another errand. Head down against the icy wind and reluctant to flatten my new coiffure with a toque, I pulled up the hood of my black downfield coat and hurried across the parking lot to the pet store. A double agent Russian spy in Orleans? Sure, we're a diverse community. The rows and crescents of houses look similar, but the uniformity belies an eccentric underbelly. We've got civil servants, like I once was, military personnel and police officers, but also entrepreneurs, hobbyists, homemakers, at least one ham radio operator, another person building an airplane in his garage, and some highly unusual opinions. I wound my way past assorted vehicles in the parking lot. Brand new minivans, beat-up Toyotas from the last century, delivery vehicles, and... What? An Alfa Romeo? 
I'd seen a photo of one in the newspaper that morning. Reading the Ottawa Citizen daily from cover to cover gets me through a lot of quiet mornings. An Alfa Romeo worth $50,000 was the prize offered in the upcoming Humane Society raffle. Well, maybe somebody won last year's prize. A gust of snow and wind eddied around Willoughby Waldo's pampered pets as I pulled with all my might to open the door. The pet stores of my youth were warm and friendly oases that smelled like clean sawdust, with adorable puppies in pens, colourful fish in tanks, busy hamsters on wheels, and twittering birds in cages. Willoughby Waldo's doesn't sell animals, but thankfully stocks all the accessories. Maggie May, my little fussy diva of a furball, refuses to walk on the snow on really cold days. As I paid for a package of pink dog booties for her, the cashier behind a wall of plexiglass leaned forward and winked. The CIA did it. I tapped my credit card on the debit machine. Sorry? He was tall and fit, with grey hair, hipster glasses, a green COVID mask, and a live iguana sitting on his right shoulder. He glanced around and tapped the side of his nose. The dead guy, a brilliant hacker, getting too close to CIA intelligence, so they offed him. My eyebrows shot up. Did you ever meet him? Sure, he fixed our computers for free. He bagged the booties and handed them to me through an opening in the bottom of the plexiglass screen. Hoping to get good word of mouth for a geek-on-wheels type business idea he had. All he wanted in return was to sit in the back room with my dog Willoughby and have her puppies lick his face and crawl all over him. And you let him? After hours, he shrugged. If it was during the day... Everyone would want to. I know I spoil my Maggie May, but she's... He tilted his head at a sympathetic angle. Company in an empty house. I swallowed and blinked. Tears would be ridiculous at that moment, I told myself sternly. I did my best to smile and change the topic. Something like that. So, an animal lover, was he? Loved dogs. Hated cats. Allergic to cats. My gaze shifted from his cheerful baby blues to the iguana's cold stare. What does the boss say about you playing with the animals? I am the boss. After I retired from my career at the post office, I applied for the manager job just to get out of the house. I left the store. Brave new world that has such people in it, I thought. Buffeted by the cold outside, but feeling warm and fluttered inside, I mourned the loss of that helpful, puppy-loving young man. I decided to live on the edge a bit longer. Maybe I could find solace and inspiration at the dollar store. I made my solitary way past Starbucks, the dental clinic, Ernie's payday loans, the dry cleaners, and the pizza place to Looney Toonie where for once I steered clear of the craft supplies. I had retired 18 months ago in September, six months before the pandemic. Since then, I had done enough knitting, crocheting, macrame, and needlepoint to last a lifetime. 
For the record, I was also tired of decluttering, sorting photos, and watching cooking shows. Instead, I browsed through the sympathy cards. Someone had lost this young man. Someone might appreciate a card. Beside me, a woman from the Philippines, in her late fifties, I guessed, by the slight touch of grey in her dark hair, paused in the act of opening a box. Somebody is dead, she asked gently. I'm just thinking about the poor young man they found in the dumpster this morning. I leafed through a stack of cards with long religious verses and moved on. Ah, yes, she said. She dabbed her eyes with an embroidered hanky from the pocket of her yellow smock. He was very rich. You knew him, I asked. I scanned a rack of even less appropriate messages. To my husband. Wife, mother, sister, friend. When a cat dies. All very sad, all very wrong. He helped with computers, she said. Then he bought dye to paint eggs. To make Fabergé eggs, he said, like he had at home. Fabergé eggs, I thought. They're worth about $30 million each. I found a simple card with a snowy scene and a straightforward message. Wishing you peace. The woman lifted a dozen bright printed gift bags from the box and hung them up. Russian oligarchs. They steal money from people. Very rich. Maybe he meant Russia when he said home, not his own house. Russian mafia killed him. She slashed through the tape on another carton with a utility knife. Very rich. Family feud. Well, anyway, it was nice of him to help with your computers. She sorted coordinating ribbons and bows from the box onto a hook near the gift bags. Very kind. Rich, but kind. Very unusual. Back out in the Arctic conditions, my sympathy card paid for, I considered my options. Maybe I could start a neighborhood memorial for him. Not at the dumpster, of course. Dumpsters are disgusting. And the storefront sidewalk was too cold. I wondered if they'd let me use a table in the coffee shop. Maybe I could get some flowers at the grocery store. Living life on the edge, I thought, on a wing and a prayer. Were flowers essential in the middle of a pandemic? Maybe yes, maybe no. But how else can we mark a life extinguished in our community? I went into the store. The grocery store seemed safe enough. Everyone wore masks and kept their distance. Arrows on the aisle floors directed traffic and encouraged us to stay apart. At the checkout, Clementina, the bagger from earlier, and her friend Monica loved the idea of a memorial at the coffee shop. Monica, a delicate creature with straight light brown hair, scrunched her face and cried silently at the thought. Was he a close friend? I asked. Green-eyed Clementina, tall and robust with a square face and very short hair, tilted her head in a solemn, respectful way and stopped chewing gum long enough to say, A teacher at our school. Visiting teacher, corrected Monica. She blew her nose. On exchange from Russia. Clementina scanned my daisies. He said he first came here as a kid, one of those kids who were sent to Canada after Chernobyl to, like, breathe our fresh air and stuff, and he always wanted to come back. Monica nodded. 
A tear dropped on the beige newsprint as she wrapped the bouquet. Did he have a girlfriend, I asked, passing Clementina my home crocheted shopping bag. Clementina put the flowers in it and handed it back, chewing thoughtfully. Not that we know of. I glanced at Monica. No inappropriate relationships with students? No, said Monica, wiping her face. Nothing like that. He was a great teacher with that accent and everything and just so, so handsome. Clementina gathered Monica into a comforting hug that gave me a pang. I missed my co-workers at the treasury board. Not that we ever hugged, but we shared an office and day-to-day concerns for 20 years, then not a word since. Outside, an intoxicating aroma scented the cold air, reminding me that it had to be lunchtime and I was starving. The pizza place would be my last stop. Scents of baking bread, garlic, and oregano wafted around as I opened the door. A cheerful bell announced my entrance, but I thought I heard voices, an argument maybe, and an abrupt pause. Mom, said the freckle-faced 13-year-old boy behind the counter. Customer! A dark-haired woman in a flowered dress emerged from the back, wiping her hands on her apron, also flowered and flowered. He stabbed me in the stomach, she said. My only son, he'd take a knife and stab me. What? I stared at her, perfectly healthy behind the counter, No stab wounds, no blood, just a bit of family drama. Probably not how Jasmine and Nalini dealt with disagreements, but you never know. Mom, said the boy, it's just a cat. If you don't want us to keep it, we'll get it adopted. Sure enough, a white Angora cat rubbed against her legs. She hissed at it. I say no cats. Is illegal to have cats in restaurants. Cats cost money. She slammed an order pad on the counter and stomped back to the kitchen, through a swinging door decorated with a plasticized map of Albania. Her son picked up the pad, upside down, then righted it. Um, can I take your order? I stooped to the cat. Hello there, kitty. What a beauty, I said, gathering it up. Where did you come from? Next door. It looks like he packed up and abandoned his cat. The check-cashing guy from Ernie's payday loans? Check-stealing more like. I've heard those places charge a big percentage. And fees. I brought a $100 check there and ended up with $25. That's a big fee. Did you complain? I didn't know what to say. But my mom, she was furious. The Russian guy said he'd done some computer work for him. He'd talked to him. When was that? Yesterday. I never saw him after that. He hesitated. Until, you know. He ended up in the dumpster. I put down the cat. Have you seen Ernie the check-cashing guy since? He pointed out the window, surprised. There he is now, with another cardboard box. Wearing what looks like an Armani suit. Wow! No coat? His coat is that leopard fur thing on the box. He doesn't care that leopards are endangered. I don't even think his name is really Ernie. I saw someone call him that once, and he didn't even turn around. Why isn't he wearing his coat? No mitts, no hat, no scarf. 
His car is just there, the Alfa Romeo. A perfect getaway car, I thought. He could be in the next province before the police even think of questioning him. Quebec is half an hour away. And if he set up the store with a fake name, maybe even false credentials, he could be hard to trace. But he might not ditch the car. I clutched my phone, left the shop, and snap, took a picture of his license plate. A gust of wind caught the leopard skin coat and uncovered part of the box. Click! I took a picture of the contents, then froze. What was I doing? As he struggled against the blustery weather to get the carton in the car and the coat on top of it, he turned on me. Hey, did you just take my picture? Mind your own business. He started towards me, but I came to life and scurried across the parking lot towards the Orleans Boulevard Jandark intersection. He jumped in the car and revved the engine. As I neared the street, he spun around the lot. I was in the middle of the intersection when he turned left on Orleans Boulevard and drove straight at me. Heart racing, I barely made it across the road to the concrete barrier in front of the pedestrian path into my own neighborhood. Four houses in from the shortcut, Charlie Egan, the detective with the Ottawa police, pushed a snowblower down the length of his driveway. Charlie is six foot three. In his police-issue parka and fur hat, he looked even bigger, but not as tall as the white plumes of snow that the noisy machine threw up over his front lawn. Hey, Charlie, I yelled. Did they find any cat hairs on that Russian man from the dumpster? Charlie turned off the blower and grinned. I'd tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. I gasped, a little out of breath from that frightening sprint across the street. Sorry, he said. Are you okay? He took off his aviator sunglasses and studied me. I guess that's what they might call a too-soon joke. I was just almost run off the road by the guy from Payday Loans. Mr. Alpha Romeo? I nodded. I think the Russian might have seen something on his computer that made Payday Ernie nervous. And the cat hairs? The Russian hated cats, allergic to them. But Ernie had one, a white angora that probably shed all over the crime scene if the check cashier is our guy. Suddenly, the Alfa Romeo careened around the corner, heading right for us. Charlie jumped to twist the snowblower around as he turned it back on. He pointed it at the speeding car, angling the spew of snowy jet spray at the windshield and the partly open window, blinding poor payday Ernie. The car spun and crashed into the concrete barrier of the pedestrian path and continued into a snowbank that buried the low-slung car's doors on the driver's side, locking him in. Charlie turned off his machine, strode on long legs past four snow-covered lawns, yanked open the passenger side door, grabbed the ice-cold killer, and made the arrest of a lifetime. Well, maybe the arrest of the year, as far as I know. The arrest of the month, for sure. The box, full of white powder in neat cellophane-wrapped packages, tipped out. If Ernie had managed to offload it, my photo might have been key evidence in a top-secret international fentanyl bust.
He'd probably kill to protect the spreadsheet on his computer detailing suppliers, customers, and kingpins. And maybe he did. Most of this was kept out of the press. But Jasmine figured that payday loans was a front for the KGB and Russian oligarch money laundering. At the pet store, they were pretty sure that the CIA was involved. At the grocery store, they thought maybe he was a movie star doing research for a major motion picture and got iced by a jealous rival. In Orleans, I'm not sure, but the Orleans Journal did a cover story on me and how I'd helped the police in an explosive major operation without going into details. And that is how I became known as the Miss Marple of Orleans. But that's not the end of the story. Maggie May loved her little booties, and the next time I went for a walk, I had company. Maggie May came along, plus I screwed up my courage and did a brave thing. We stopped at the pet store, and I invited that nice blue-eyed manager to join us. (laughs) 